Hello and welcome to episode three of Let's Talk Nova. I'm so excited that I can't believe I've made it to three episodes. <laughs> this is a win, this is a win. So in today's episode, I want to talk about coaching itself and all the questions that I get asked a lot about coaching. And I also put a question box on my Instagram story and I got so many questions about coaching. So a lot of them overlapped, a lot were um, pretty similar. So yeah, if you want to know the the ins and outs of coaching, then um, stay tuned and yeah, I hope I answer your questions. So I suppose to begin with the obvious question, what is coaching? What is life coaching? So it's becoming really popular now in the last, I'd say, five years. And it's definitely become a lot more prominent in mainstream media social media I'd say in the last two years so coaching is basically where a trained coach helps the client move from the present to the future from A to B and it is very much focused on a person's goals um, you know A person might also want to focus on the present moment and become more content in their own space right there and then. It doesn't always have to be focused on the future. It can be short term. Coaching is typically short term, you know. Um, It is normal to have clients for a long period, but typically your clients would only be with you for short term because ultimately... Us as coaches, myself as a coach, I want to empower my clients to be independent, to find their wings, you know, to be able to find that inner drive and that, um, I suppose, inner knowing that they can do this. Because coaching is basically where we're asking powerful questions and it can often make clients feel a bit like they're put on the spot but I think that's where you get results because you're articulating what is there right in front of you at the time with the client. Um, Just to touch on other similar professions, um, so mentoring is one that would probably be a little similar to coaching however Mentoring will be looked upon as more of a long-term thing and a mentor is a person who is experienced and is trusted to give advice to someone. So a coach is not giving advice. A coach is there to hold space for someone who wants accountability and is asking powerful questions to the client and also empowering the client 
with their own knowing, like with their own um, decision making, really. And we're just there to hold the space for them. Whereas a mentor does give advice. A mentor does um, guide, you could say, the client. Um, Of course, when we go into, on a deeper level, mental health professionals. So you have counsellors and psychotherapists. And a counsellor is ultimately short term, typically. um, And they help you identify problems, They encourage people to take positive steps to resolve issues. Um, Counselors are trained within psychology itself. And I'm sure um, there is a psychology accreditation board that they will be associated with. Then psychotherapy is another deeper level below that um, where it is long term and psychotherapy is is the service that helps you understand the origin, the root of your limiting beliefs. And you often revisit memories in psychotherapy. You rewire the belief and it brings a very deep, profound understanding of your feelings, your thoughts, your actions. It gives you a completely new clear as crystal window into the impact of the external influences on your life so your upbringing um, your schooling society you know the expectations that are put upon us so psychotherapy goes really um, into the past so just to bottom line what I just said I know that's a lot of information a coach is typically short term And we help you go from A to B, from the present to the future, by asking powerful questions, holding space for you, being that listening ear, and also empowering you with your own wings, you know, with your own um, independence and ability to achieve. Then the mentor would be a person who is already experienced in something you want to achieve, and they give you advice along the way. And then counseling and psychotherapy would be on a much deeper level where you're looking at your past. Because if I'm coaching a client and if I notice that somebody's past is holding them back from moving forward and if it's reoccurring in the coaching sessions, I, as a coach, am ethically obliged to recommend the client to consider doing um sessions with a counselor or a psychotherapist it wouldn't be appropriate for me to continue the sessions with a client if i felt like the past is really hindering their ability to move forward and achieve their goals that they set out to um focus on so i don't focus on the past of course like it's only human our past impacts us so of course I have clients in my sessions that talk about the past and they talk about um, experiences and memories and that's totally normal. I welcome that. But if at any point I notice that it's actually hindering the client from moving forward, that's when I would um, I would just raise it with the client. I'd just have a conversation with the client and say, look, you know, I'm noticing that you might need to consider 
you know, speaking to a professional that can actually talk to you about the past further to help you move forward. And um, yeah, that's just a responsibility of mine because also I have to think of the the health and safety of the client and that they are going to get the best um, outcome for them. And it's within the ethics that I follow also. So it's something I really... Um, I really am careful of, you know, I take a lot of pride in um, holding a safe space for clients and I really don't take on clients if I feel like they're not in the right space to be coached because it's not fair on the client or the coach, you know, and ultimately we want, ultimately we want the coach and the client to have the best outcome possible, but also the client to succeed, you know. Um, so another question is, why did I become a coach? Why did I become a coach? I became a coach ultimately because I found myself wanting to help expats here in the UAE. I was reflecting on my own experience and I wish <laughs> I wish there were resources back then um, to help me navigate my way through the expat experience I think I I struggled in my first year definitely for the first four or five months up to Christmas I definitely struggled um and I just want to make it known that like it's okay to struggle as an expat it's okay to go through the roller coaster of emotions where one day you're loving it and another day you're fit to book a one-way flight and get out and I wanted to create a space where people felt they were heard and seen and that I could provide that space for people to speak about it and I could listen to them and empower them and ask them powerful questions and of course there are times where I do give advice but I make it very clear that that is when I'm not coaching that that is an obvious side of being a mentor um, so I do make sure that that is clear to my clients because we don't give advice as coaches. It's really important that that's made clear. Um, but of course, there are things I've learned along the way and um, I do help as much, I, as much as I can with my clients. So the next question I have is, how did I become a coach? So, my goodness, where to start? I did my bachelor's degree in arts in UCC and my subjects were English and Irish and I remember when I was 17 and it was the end of August and I had to submit my application to UCC what subjects I wanted to um, choose and I remember Irish and psychology being in the same category and I could only pick one subject and I remember sitting in the kitchen, I was so disheartened because I loved Irish. I spent so many summers in the Gaeltacht in um, Dingle and I I just adored the language and I really wanted to study it in my degree. And on the flip side, I had such a keen interest in psychology. I just, I think I'm naturally a deep thinker. Like I really, um, I I look at things very differently, I think. I don't know where that comes from. 
Um, but I would be really interested in psychology. Like when I was even in secondary school, I was really interested in any topics that would come up in any subject areas that were to do with society and, you know, the way we think and the way we behave. I really um, enjoyed those kind of parts of the classes that would ever arise. And I remember being in the kitchen in Kerry and I was just like, oh my God, what do I do? And I really wanted to choose psychology. And then my mom and dad were so shocked because they said, but Irish, like you're, you love Irish and you're so good at it. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I went with my head and I chose Irish. But now looking back, I was no way ready to study psychology at the age of 17. Like, my goodness, I'm 28 now, going on 29. And I did not know myself at all at 17. Like, no, it just would not have been the best time at all. So I think timing is really important. And um, timing definitely played a part there. And I am very grateful that I didn't study psychology back then because I don't think I would have understood it, being quite honest. I think it would have went way over my head because I wouldn't have had a lot of experience of life to refer back to and I've been told by people that the older you are when you study psychology the easier it is to understand because you have real life experiences to relate to when you're studying topics so I thought that was interesting so then I was in my um final year of arts and I remember I was downstairs in the Boole Library and um, of course there's loads of emails that come through advertising different workshops and seminars and there was this email that came through advertising a six-week workshop called Life Matters and I remember reading it and I was just like oh my god I was like this sounds unreal had no idea what it was it gave a brief description on just understanding human behavior um, equipping you with life skills and I'm not sure what else it had said maybe managing emotions or something it was something really brief but the minute I read it I was like oh I was like this sounds unreal I really want to do this so jumped on that and I think it was the only thing in my three years of college that I was early on arrival for every week for six weeks so I remember when I was finishing that course and I didn't really know how to study more of this you know I didn't really have the confidence I think to pursue it further and I was like not in a great place in my final year of college if I'm being honest I was really struggling that year and I think subconsciously I may have actually gone on that course that workshop course looking for help looking for answers and I can see that now in reflection um, and it wasn't until many, many years later that I actually began my own healing. Um, and then down the line, I suppose, I did embark on my own healing journey. Um, it was a long time coming, took uh, many years to actually face up to, but um, I'll talk about that in another episode. I don't think it's the right time to talk about it now. I think it is necessary 
for us to take to to be on our own healing journey if we want to be part of other people's healing healing journeys too so I did I worked hard on myself that was when I kind of started working on myself and understanding myself more and the impact of external situations on my life and then in September 2017 I began a diploma in life coaching from the UK so that was a year-long diploma found out at the end of it that it wasn't accredited properly like it wasn't recognized so I then embarked on a second life coaching course with the Coactive Training Institute in Dubai CTI so I started that in May 2019 and oh my goodness there was a stark contrast it was very obvious why the first diploma was not recognized (laughs) because the second coaching course I was doing was 18 months of intense training and um yeah it was um incredible you know it it forced me to acknowledge myself and um acknowledge what I really wanted and when you're training with Coactive Training Institute CTI we it's all experiential learning in the classroom so whatever tools we learn we actually experience firsthand as we practice to be a client as well so we'll all practice on each other one person being the client one person being the coach but we have to bring a real topic. You're not allowed to go in the classroom and talk about something that is made up. You cannot pretend and um, fabricate anything. Everything you talk about has to be real. So it was ultimately 18 months of coaching I was getting as I was training to be a coach because we had to always bring a real topic when we're practicing with each other. And it's powerful because whenever I'm coaching my clients and I'm going to do a new exercise on them or I'm going to share a tool with them I'll always say to them I know how this will feel for you because I've done it myself as a client and that really reassures my clients knowing that I know what they're doing like and what they're going to touch on and I think it's beneficial for me as the coach to know what the client might be experiencing, what the client might be feeling. And um, yeah, it's it's amazing. So in coaching itself, there is the Accrediting Body um, International Coach Federation, ICF, and they accredit three levels of coaches. So you have ACC, which is Associate Certified Coach, which means you've got 60 hours training and you've got 100 hours coaching experience. Then you have the next level, which is PCC, Professional Certified Coach, which means you've got 125 hours training and 500 coaching hours experience. And then the next level is the MCC, Master Certified Coach. And that means that you have got 200 hours training and you have coached 2,500 hours, which is insane. So I'm at the ACC level. I just have my ethics exam uh, still to sit. And then once I have the ethics exam done, I get my ACC. So I've actually completed 125 hours of training, which qualifies me for PCC, which is the second level. But I don't have 500 hours coaching complete. So I'm still at the first level. 
So when I get the 500 hours coaching experience, then I'll go on to BCC. But I'm in no rush. I'm taking my time. I'm just going to enjoy the first level for a while because it took me so long to get there. And it was um, an incredibly rewarding journey. But I'm just all about now, shui shui. Just take it easy. Now that I'm at that level, I'm not going to be in any rush to go to any next levels. I'm just going to enjoy the coaching and um, just relax a little bit because the, stu- the studying was, was intense and the the learning, my goodness, the learning like of myself was unbelievable. Um, another question I have here is why do people choose to hire a coach? So not everyone needs a coach, simply put. You know, um, people often want a coach because they don't want to do something on their own. They need the accountability. They want someone there that's asking them every week or every two weeks or three weeks how they're doing and that they have to check in with. And sometimes people want to call upon someone's experience and lessons and you know, ask about that and get their advice. Of course, that would be more mentoring. Um, Sometimes people who want a coach are in need of simple encouragement, you know, and some people just want permission to know it's okay to seek change. It's okay to want more. And of course, there are many people out there that don't want more, that are very content and... um, all power to them like I think that's fantastic I think it's so amazing to see people who are really living in the present and they're happy in the present I think that's just fantastic but there are people that want more contentment in their present or else they want to know it's okay to change it's okay to look elsewhere um is coaching for everyone no coaching is not for everyone I touched on at the beginning how I might have a client who comes to me and you know they're in the present pardon me I might have a client who comes to me and they're in the present and they want to move to the future you know they want to move forward they want to focus on their goals they might want to change jobs they might want to build a business and their past could be really hindering them and you are allowed to do um therapy and coaching in tandem so you can have a therapist and you can have a coach at the same time but it would be really important to prioritize the therapist if your past is hindering you if it's really holding you back because that would need to take priority where people actually focus their attention there to help them, you know, to help them unravel those limiting beliefs and to empower them and rewire their brains to know that they are worthy and, you know, many things like that. Um, I think as well, timing is really, really important. When I see that question, is coaching for everyone? It might not be for everyone right now. So, for example, you might have someone who has who comes to me and wants coaching, right? But they might not actually be ready. They might not um, 
respond well to the question styles. They might not respond well to um, having tasks set or me holding them accountable for things. Timing is everything. And that person might come back to me in a year, two years, three years, and they just trailblaze through the coaching sessions and it's suiting them down to the ground. So I think you can't force anyone into their own coaching journey or healing journey. It's entirely upon timing. It really is upon um, the timing of it. Um, another question here is how to find the best coach. How to find the best coach? I think the best way is word of mouth. Of course, check their credentials. Make sure that you are checking that they are, you know, trained properly and they've got the credibility. And I think hearing a client's experience with that coach is really important because you get a feel for the coach's style and often coaches will offer a sample session so I offer sample sessions because you know ultimately it's only fair that the client gets to get a taster of what to expect from the sessions before paying for the um, number of sessions that they choose to and also vice versa it's only fair that the coach gets a feel of the client and to see if if they will work well together and you know I highly recommend people to shop around it's really important that of course social media is fantastic it's a great way to find coaches and there's loads of coaching directories and agencies online Um, but yeah shop around ask people and I know from being a coach the best way of finding the best coach I think is word of mouth that's me personally that's what I think um I think it's really important to say that when you're looking for a coach it's almost like finding the perfect hairdresser or um your soulmate when you're dating you know when you you want to find the person that you want to be with like I know I'm not the coach for everyone I know that for sure. But then I also know not everyone is going to suit me as a client. It's also like finding a counsellor or a therapist, you know. Like, I'm sure people have heard stories where someone might recommend a therapist or a counsellor and then another person might say, oh, no, don't go to them. I didn't find them helpful at all. And you might be thinking, oh, no, well, my friend thought they were really good. So it's every. But yeah, that's what it's like. That's what I compare it to, you know. So um, as coaches, we all have the same training. We are all accredited by the governing body, International Coach Federation. But it's our personalities and our differing tools that make us different, that make us who we are. And that's how we attract different clients. So finding a coach that's a good fit for you And of course, listening to people's testimonials and listening to people's experiences is really important. And, you know, listening to that word of mouth is really important also. But remembering that everyone's experience is so different based on personality types. So just keep that in mind as well. 
Um, another one was really good. What are the typical goals of my clients so far? Um, they've been quite cool, actually. Um, so I've been coaching three years now. Since September 2017, I have been coaching. Um, the typical goals would be people who want to set up a business on the side. Um, people who want to change jobs. People who want to move country. Um, a lot of expats looking for work-life balance. That is the most popular. And it's it's amazing the changes I've seen in clients when they actually take time for them, but they're accountable to me to make time for them. Now, some people don't need that, but of course there are some people that do need that, that need that accountability. And when they start making that time for themselves, oh my goodness, like it's, it's amazing to see the changes and to see what they're capable of and they start to empower themselves. And then the ultimate goal is that they don't need me anymore. You know, I don't want to keep on clients for any longer than they need to be with me. I want clients to be able to flourish and to be able to leave after a certain number of sessions and to be empowered and to feel like they've got this and that they are equipped with tools to manage their goals and to manage their their discipline and um, to manage how to actually make a goal and a target achievable and make it realistic, you know. Um, other goals and other topics, I suppose, would be people who want to coach themselves into other topics as well that I would notice in clients would be those that want to connect to their like their inner knowing like their inner power and to actually find out who they truly are now that can really complement um therapy or counseling if they're doing that at the same time as coaching um but yeah that's been an interesting one also where people just want to find out what is it they want to do what is it they truly want out of life um and the expat experience that's been a massive one as well that people find expat life overwhelming at times and rewarding as well you know like there's been amazing times where I've had celebratory moments with clients that are expats that have achieved great things and the expat experience is so unique because you come off the plane you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed you can't wait to get out there and to see the world and to make new friends and you know to explore there's that thirst for it and then after that kind of first initial part of it initial stage we would call honeymoon stage really the excitement stage then you kind of have the culture shock stage where you kind of come down like a lead balloon and you start to question why you moved you start to question the possible cultural barriers you may have if you're in a country that has really different cultures to where you're from and then after the culture shock stage you start to adjust and you start to build routines and you start to find your own rhythm and then you start to find your own circle your true tribe you know and then after you adjust 
there would be that stage of like you feel settled that mastery stage you feel like you've made it your home and indicators of that would be your your content you're not seeking for anything more you know you've got your friends you've got your routines um, of course you might be breathing a fresh air into the experience by doing new hobbies and things like that but when you really feel like you're you've got a groove going and you've made it your home and you can see how you've made really strong connections I think that is a real tell sign that you you're content and you're happy but then you throw in the ever revolving door the transient experience that comes with it where people come and go and friends become your best friends and then become family and then they leave and I think that is a really big part of the expat life that people struggle with because you're back to square one again if you have a really core group of people that leave you're back to square one again you could be living here five, ten years and you're back to the getting to know me stage with people. And that can take its toll, you know, that can wear down people. Not everyone, you know, it's not not like that for everyone, but some people. Some people do struggle with that revolving door where people are coming and going. And it's kind of inevitable. It's just the nature of it. It's never going to change, you know. Um, we're expats we're all living away from our home countries so this is the path we've chosen and it's kind of something we kind of have to accept you know so um, when expats come to me about that you know it's more about talking about the emotions talking about what are the next steps you can put into place to put yourself out there again and yeah like some interesting conversations can come out of it and I simply just ask you those powerful questions I notice things about what you say I hold up that mirror I'm reflecting back to you what you're what you're portraying and what you're showing and it can be quite powerful for people it can build a lot of resonance for people and that's all people want you know um and that accountability which is which is another layer to it which is brilliant um another uh question was do coaches have coaches yes I have a coach and my coach is amazing and it is it is important for coaches to have coaches because it keeps us in line you know keeps our tools sharp you know it it allows the space for us to deal with our stuff to deal with our goals because ultimately I have to make sure that I'm walking the walk that I'm not just talking the talk and yeah I have um, my own coach and I find my coach is brilliant holds me accountable to a lot of things which is fantastic really pushes me and is holding that mirror up you know and uh, yeah it's it's very rewarding and also I do have a therapist that I go to regularly to make sure that I'm dealing with my own past stuff, that I'm not bringing that as an energy to my coaching sessions. So I do find it's really important that I'm 
still on my healing journey and I think sometimes the things I learn from therapy they do influence my coaching ever so slightly it's almost like an accent put on my coaching I don't bring in therapy itself because I'm not allowed that's unethical but just things I learn about myself it helps me understand clients a lot more as well so it definitely complements my coaching that's the word I was looking for it complements my coaching but I would never ever delve into the therapy because that's just not not allowed simply put um but yeah that's how I suppose I look after my craft and how I look after my profession and there's always you know continuous professional development and you know always keeping your tools sharp and keeping up to date with the new developments in the coaching industry and psychology itself and the new research and stuff like that and reading so yeah that's how I kind of um keep myself on my own toes um another question I got was how do I prepare for a coaching session um so this one I love I always set out an intention before I coach a client so it's really important that I don't coach at four o'clock because I land in the door from school around 10 to 4, 4 o'clock. So it's unfair on the client if I'm racing home to start a session at 4 o'clock. The earliest I would typically start a session would be 4.30, so that I have time to come home, get a bite to eat, freshen up, and then actually sit down. And I would do maybe a 5-10 minute meditation, and I would set out an intention for that client, for them to have... Um, you know, a successful session. Maybe I I wish that they bring courage or um, vulnerability or trust or awareness. You know, I would I would set something out for that session, and it always has a positive impact on the session. You know, and I also make sure that I I do a bit of journaling before my session so that I just get my thoughts out on paper. And my mind isn't cluttered and busy. You know, I make sure my mind is calm, clear and ready to take in someone else's stuff, ready to take in someone else's goals. Um, And that's why I love journaling, because I feel like I just it's like sweeping. I just do a bit of dusting and I I clean up my mind, you know, and I just get all the, the busy busyness of my mind onto paper and then I just forget about it um so that's how I would prepare for a session obviously I'd look back over notes if they're an ongoing client and make sure I just look at what we were previously talking about and um yeah and then begin and then after the coaching session is complete I would always make sure that I do another meditation maybe five minutes of just you know, cleansing the energy, that I'm not carrying the client's energy, that I'm not carrying um, anything that was brought into the session into my life, which is really important, that I'm not um, owning it as my own. And then also, which is really important, that if I'm doing back-to-back sessions, that I'm not bringing a client's energy into another client's space. So it's really important that I take... um, just five, 10 minutes in between sessions just to like clear, basically clear the energies and um, make sure that I'm ready to take on someone new again, you know, and go into the next hour. Um, 
so yeah, I find I find that really important. I find that really, really important. Um just to have that clearing and to make sure that like I'm looking after myself and I'm not bringing my stuff to my clients and that's why I have a coach and that's why I have a therapist just to make sure that like I'm of sound mind I'm looking after myself and I'm in the best possible place to be a coach for the client um so yeah that's that now (laughs) Um, those are all the questions I got um, between Instagram and between just the most commonly asked questions. If I've missed out on any questions and you're curious to know more, please reach out to me on my social media platforms. I'm across um, Facebook, Instagram under The Nova Coach. And I also have an email, ailish at thenovacoach.com. And you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well under just my name, Ailish Heffernan. And yeah, um, I hope this has brought more clarity to people, um, what coaching is and how it's conducted, you know, what a session looks like. And, well, no, I suppose I didn't really talk about what a session looks like, but I suppose I could talk about that now. A typical session would be, so I'd always offer a client a sample session of 30 minutes, so they get a taster before they commit and then once a client commits it's really important that they understand that if you want to see results you need momentum you need consistency so I would probably recommend a coaching session every two to three weeks typically if you want to see lasting results and it's like going to the gym the more um, committed you are And the more consistent you are, the more disciplined you are, the better the results. And that's what people want. You know, let's call a spade a spade here. People want results. That's what they're paying for. So I make it very clear to the client that they are committed. You know, there is not going to be an overnight um, transformation within two to three sessions. It's not really possible. Um... So you would need to be committed to a few sessions to really see long lasting results that can empower you to continue it on your own. Because that's the goal. I, I want you to be able to do this on your own. You know, I don't want to be holding people um, for an unnecessary amount of time because that isn't fair. Um, so we do the sample session. Then there's the commitment made where you decide yes or no, you want to pursue the coaching and then ultimately I would do a discovery session is what we call it, where we get to know one another. I get to know your story. We explore your values, your limiting beliefs. And um, yeah, we go very deep. It goes on for about 90 minutes to two hours. That's typically what it would be. And we get clear on what direction you want to go in. We might do a few exercises to kind of get you clear on where you want to go. And it paints a picture of what the next few sessions will look like. And then the coaching sessions themselves, it's the client turning up and the coach turning up, both giving it 100%. And we come together with an equal relationship. I don't feel like I'm in a higher position than the client and the client doesn't feel like they're in a higher position than me or vice versa where we feel lower or subordinate to the other 
we come at this giving it 100% and we're both equals. And something I do at the beginning of my um, coaching contracts, coaching sessions, I suppose, with clients is that we design how um, our sessions will look. You know, I might clarify things for the client. They might have different requests to make, which are totally welcome. You know, whatever I can do to make the client feel comfortable, that's my ultimate goal. And then there might be, um, like we discuss boundaries and we discuss, of course, you know, payment and the duration of sessions and cancellations and, you know, how we communicate between sessions. And um, that's a really important component because it sets the foundation for how the coaching sessions will pan out um, over the course of the following weeks and months. So I take a lot of time into doing that in the session as well. And yeah, so it's basically then, you know, the coach and the client turn up every two, three weeks and I am there holding a space for the client. I am 100% there for them. I'm noticing things about them. I'm holding that mirror up to them. I'm asking them powerful questions and I'm providing them with tools to equip them to feel empowered. And of course, like I said, there might be times where I'm taking the coach hat off and I'm putting the mentor hat on and I might be advising them on something. Typically, I would feel most confident to advise people on the expat experience themselves. Um, so that's where I probably would put on the mentor hat itself. And then I would say, okay, I'm taking off the mentor hat and putting back on the coach hat and I make it really visible. Like I actually pretend I'm taking hats on and off. Like, you know, it, and, and that helps the client. It, it actually visually helps them see that, you know. Um, yeah. And we have amazing findings. Like you'll always come to the session with a topic now some people don't come to the session with a topic which is totally fine because we always find something to talk about always there's always something to talk about like I've got people that come on the sessions with me and they say oh my god Ailish I didn't even know what I was going to talk to you about today I just said I'd I'd follow on anyway and um come to the session I say right no problem let's see what we can work with and within five minutes, we're talking about something that we can work on, you know, so don't ever feel the pressure to have a topic ready, to have something to talk about, you know, and if you haven't followed up with your accountability and you haven't followed up with your um, task you wanted to carry out, you know, we talk about that and we question it and we, we delve a little deeper into the why and what's behind that. So that can bring a lot of learning for the client as well. And... Um, I learn a lot from clients, which is like even more rewarding. I learn so much and it's amazing to see how powerful coaching is itself. You know, everyone can benefit from coaching. Um, it's definitely worth it for anyone who's interested in it, for sure. Um, what else was I going to say about the coaching sessions? I can't remember now. I'm talking on such a tangent. I'm talking nearly one hour. My goodness. <laughs> I could talk another hour about coaching. My goodness. Um, I could keep talking. But um, that would be typically how you'd have your sessions. Yeah. Um, 
I think I spo- I think I've covered everything. I'm just thinking now. Have I covered everything? I think I have. If I haven't, message me, you know, and I'd be happy to cover any other um questions in later episode episodes. But um yeah. That is coaching. That's the power of coaching. And I hope um like I said earlier that it brings clarity and it parts the clouds and you see the clear sky now and you understand what coaching is and the differences between coaching and counseling and therapy and mentoring and um yeah contact me if you feel like you want to give it a try you want to have a sample session i'm very happy to to give as many sample sessions to as many people i love it i love coaching itself you know so um yeah just reach out and um we're going to go into my final part of the podcast where we talk about my song. Okay. This song. Oh, it's just unreal. It's such a good song. It's so class. I remember years ago. I'm just going to take some water for a minute. Sorry, let's. My gosh. Talking for an hour has definitely taken its toll because I'm not interviewing anyone. So it's just my, me, myself and I, right? okay so basically this song I remember years ago like when I was a child when I was like oh I'd say I was 12 13 maybe um well a teenager not a child 12 13 and sex in the city was on television and I was never allowed to watch that when I was younger but I remember I caught the end of an episode where like it was some final scene of just one random episode and it wasn't rude. <laughs> it was a it was an okay scene for me to be watching and I kind of caught the end of it. I don't know how I did. And I was with my mom and it was where Carrie, I think, was in Paris. Like I've I've not watched Sex and the City, so I just remember this memory because of the song. And she was in Paris, I think, and she had this dress on and she was walking down some steps and this song played, which is The Source featuring Candy Staten. The song is called You've Got the Love. Now, Florence and the Machine has done an unbelievable version of this, but I love the original. You just can't beat the original. Now... There's many different versions of the source, You've Got the Love. But there's a very specific one that I'm going to recommend to you. You can only find this on YouTube. It's not on Spotify. Don't ask me why. I don't know why, but it's just not. Go on to YouTube and put in You've Got the Love by The Source featuring Candy Station, 1991. That's the year I was born. Hey, 1991. And it's got a pink vinyl disc as the photo of the the video that they're using to play the song. And when you hear it, oh my goodness, like it's it's the bass guitar and the strums you you hear at the beginning. Boom, 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 boom. Like I can't even do it now. But it's just like, it's such a deep bass and it's just like, it's class like it's just I just love this song so much and I remember back to my my memory connected to this song 
again, I've never watched Sex and the City series. I've watched the movies, but I've never watched the series. And um, I remember sitting in the sitting room with my mom and there was this final scene. Carrie is there in this beautiful dress and she's going down these steps in Paris and the end credits come up and this song is playing. It's not this version, but it's more of like um, a remixed version, but it's still the source. It's still the source. And I remember being like, what is this song? This song is amazing. Like, I would always be like that when I'm watching something on television or watching something like in a movie or I'll be listening to the radio and like, it, music just stops me in my tracks. It really just does. Like, I ju- it's like the world stops turning, like I said in the first episode. Um, But yeah, I, I remember that stuck with me. So it's not really a poignant memory. It's nothing amazing. It's not a grand story. But that just always that song always makes me think of like when I first heard it. And um it just puts me in such a good mood. It's the bass guitar. That's what does it for me. The bass is just unbelievable in it. Like when you hear the first the first few seconds of the song and you've got the strums going, it's just like, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So You've Got the Love by The Source, featuring Candy Staten, 1991 version, and it's the pink vinyl photo on YouTube. It's not on Spotify. Check it out. Pop in your earphones. It's always a better experience when you put in your earphones or headphones. It's always a much better experience. And um, enjoy. I hope you enjoy that song for this week. So yeah, this is episode three. It was a lot longer than I expected. I thought I was only going to be talking for 30 minutes. <laughs> so, um, you know, congratulations if you've arrived um, and you're you're here still listening. Thank you for your patience. And I hope I have um, enlightened your day. And I hope I have, um, yeah, I hope I've um, entertained. Have I entertained you? I don't know if that's the goal, but maybe I have. So yeah, shoot me a message if you want anytime and um, I look forward to sharing my next guest with you next week. I'm very excited. Um, This guest is fantastic. Like, I'm laughing already. It was a brilliant interview, so I can't wait to share it with you all. Um, So yeah, that's um, all for today and I wish you well. I hope you're all staying safe and um i hope you're all looking after yourselves you know remember put yourself first make yourself care a priority and um yeah sending you lots of love and light and good energy all right take care and enjoy the song